Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 426. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Today, we have a great Q&A session that I did on TikTok live with lots of great questions about clinical experiences, post back programs, and much more. If you don't follow me on TikTok yet, you should. I am Medical School HQ over there. I don't do any crazy dancing, but I uh, answer lots of questions and uh, throw in a, some fun TikTok trends every now and then as well. And if you don't subscribe to me on YouTube, Let's, uh, let's do a little contest. I want you to subscribe to me on YouTube and we're going to take notes of everyone who subscribes to me on YouTube until the end of January. And at the end of January, we're going to pick a lucky winner to win an Application Academy package, which is the new group coaching that I'm doing with students who are going through the application process this year. And don't worry if you're not applying this year, uh, we'll, we'll hook you up for when you do apply um, in the future. So go subscribe. I get emails every time someone subscribes to the podcast. We can, we can verify all of that stuff and we'll, we'll have a lucky winner by the end of January. So subscribe to me on YouTube. Today, we just recorded three more episodes for season three of application renovation. The goal is to have about 20 or so episodes of application renovation for season three. Those seem to be really great episodes that you all enjoy. So hopefully you enjoy those. And that's about all I have. So let's go ahead and jump in to our Q&A session right now. So the the question is, I, I'm not sure what the question is, Sean. Um, you're a non-traditional student. You work full-time, a gap year, or a year of part-time studying. Part-time studying 
school or gap year to do what? Finish out that thought um, and then I'll answer it. Colton, any tips for studying for the MCAT during full-time classes? Really, if if you are taking the MCAT while you're also studying full-time, at the end of the day, something has to give. And usually what gives is all of your free time. So you're going to take classes full-time or as much as you're taking classes. And then the rest of the time you're studying for the MCAT and there's, there's no, there's time for nothing else other than um, some kind of personal care time, some exercise, obviously eating, sleeping, doing all that kind of stuff, but you're going to have to sacrifice um, hanging out and um, (laughs) hanging out with your friends and all of that other stuff. So you gotta be careful. Um, But a lot of it's going to just come down to dedication and, and knowing uh, knowing that you don't have time for anything else and being efficient with the time that you do have. Um, so Sean, getting back to your question, should I take a gap year or a year of part-time studying plus school work? So I, again, I, I'm still not sure what the question is. So a gap year, you could be studying and doing school work. So I'm still kind of confused exactly where the question is, Sean. I'm sorry. Um, I'm taking immunology as an undergrad this semester. I've heard it's hard. Should I be scared? Um, Immunology, I think whoever told you it's hard, it was hard for them. It doesn't mean it has to be hard for you. So uh, every class is going to be different for everyone else. Uh, the angel M been watching you for three plus years now. Love your work. And I'm happy to say I'm confident in applying. Awesome. Congrats. Keep, keep us updated on your journey. Um, call of duty. My GPA sucks and I have a couple of C's. I'm planning to take the MCAT next year. Uh, if your GPA sucks, then you have to think about next steps. Uh, having a couple C's isn't terrible. Um, having recent C's makes it a little bit worse. Um, and, and what is GPA sucks? A lot of people say their GPA sucks and it's like a 3.6 and they think they have to have a 3.9 or 4.0 to get in. So I, I think there are some things to think about uh, Call of Duty. If your GPA is not good, then potentially thinking about delaying your MCAT so that you can fix your GPA, especially if you're going to be studying for the MCAT while you're also taking classes still. Because what you don't want to happen is you focusing on the MCAT and then your GPA being sacrificed so that you can study for the MCAT when ultimately you may not have to study for the MCAT yet or you shouldn't study for the MCAT yet because you need to work more on your GPA, potentially looking at either taking more classes before you graduate and just delaying when you walk or taking some post back classes to improve your GPA and to, to improve your trend. Um, so something to think about there. Uh, how do public schools view a student who is from a state without a medical school? They don't care. Um, if, if you're talking about um, uh, G Philly, if you're talking about public medical schools, if they're going to view you any different because you're coming from a state without a medical school, likely not. Most of the schools 
are set up to train students in their state. And, and so they don't really care that you're kind of an orphan out there without a medical school. There are a few exceptions where, where I am here, I'm on faculty at University of Colorado School of Medicine. They have historically had some uh, agreements with some of the, the states around us, like Wyoming, Idaho, uh, Montana. That, um, Idaho does have a medical school now, a DO school. Um, some of those states don't have schools, and they've had some relationships. University of Washington um, famously has the the Whammy program, where they have, it's Washington, Alaska, uh, Montana, Idaho. I forget what the other A is. I think there's, there's another A, I think. Um, anyway, um, they have a program where they take students uh, from those states and 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 have some special arrangements uh, arrangements for those schools, uh, for those students in those states. But outside of that, there there isn't much um, thought given if you're an orphan. Um, I'm a high school senior accepted to a six year combined BSDO program. Is this path worth it over traditional? Um, well, c- congratulations that you're accepted into a combined BSDO program. Six years is, is definitely super accelerated. Um, the only person who can answer if it's worth it is you. Um, is this something you know you want to do yet? Uh, is this something that you are you think you're going to miss out on a traditional, a traditional quote unquote college life? I think there are some some thoughts and and questions around. Um, if you think you're going to be missing out because of that, uh, I, I think the accelerated programs have some benefits. Basically, if you're accepted already, do you not have to take the MCAT? Can you be a little bit more flexible with the classes that you're taking? How strict is the the combined program in terms of the GPA that you have to keep? If you do have to get an MCAT score, how high is that MCAT score? Um, so there, there are some thoughts there. At the end of the day, um, I, I, at this point, I would probably cherish more time in school to build relationships, to build life experiences, than to rush through the process. But again, it's a very personal decision. So uh, again, congrats on, on getting to where you are. All right. Um, so back to you, Sean. Hopefully you're still here. Um, should I have to take an extra year after my undergraduate to take my MCAT or these, uh, these questions are not coming in very smoothly or study for a longer period while working and in school. Um, so Sean, really what that comes down to. So, so Basically, what you're asking is, should you take a gap year to take the MCAT or should you take the MCAT, um, go a little bit slower through this process and um, and work and, and go in school? So at the end of the day, the, the question will come down to a few things. Number one, uh, what is your GPA and how hard is it going to be for you to maintain your GPA as you're going through this process, assuming you're working, taking classes and studying for the MCAT altogether? Or should you finish school and then study for the MCAT to replace school 
and then also work on top of it. So you, you, I think that's the, the biggest decision that you should make is how much bandwidth do you have to do all three and what is going to sacrifice the most if you do all three together? If it's going to be grades, that's not good. If it's going to be MCAT score, that's not great. Um, and some people can balance it all. Some people don't have work to deal with. And so I think it's it's going to be a decision for you. But those are the things that I want you to think about. I, I don't think a gap year is wrong. Um, I, I think delaying and making sure that you're setting yourself up for success at every stage is going to be the best thing. Um, if I were to give like broad advice, that would be the advice for for most people is to um, to make sure that you, you're setting yourself up for success at every step of the journey and not necessarily going um, rushing through and and deciding not to do a gap year just because it it's going to get you through this process a little bit faster. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, Sean, any advice to get into an in-state friendly school, Colorado, when you're from another state? So this was me, right? I was in Florida. (laughs) I applied to Colorado and I got an interview way back in the day because my parents had moved here. And so I was kind of a pseudo in-state, although technically I was not. And so, um, at the end of the day, public schools that are out of state from you, you, you have to look at the MSAR to see how out-of-state friendly they are. And there's really nothing that you can do outside of trying to highlight your ties to the state. So for me, when I was in Florida applying to Colorado, uh, I highlighted my ties to the state saying, um, I, I, uh, my, my family lives here. I come in vacation here now and, and take trips here and, I, and this is where I want to be, et cetera. And that was enough back then to get me an interview. And so if, if you have family in a state, you travel there, you, you do your vacations there, et cetera, then that's probably the, the best thing to do to highlight those ties. Uh, Avenemo2, when would a student need to take a postback? So a postback is technically after you graduate um, uh, college. Uh, I know that's not specifically what you're asking here, uh, but the question is, why would a student need to take a postback? And and really, what it comes down to is if uh, two things. There's there's two types of postbacks. One is a career changer. So you were a history major, you didn't take any sciences in college, and you've been out in the workforce, and now you want to go to medical school. You need to go back do a postback, take the classes that you need to take your science classes, and and go on from there. So that's that's one subset that's that's probably not what you're asking the other one is really to prove academic capability to to improve your academics moving forward and and it is for students there's really no hard gpa cutoff because if if i were to say it's only for students with a 3.5 and below that doesn't tell me anything because your your 3.5 could be 3.5 all across every semester, your 3.5 could be 4.0, 4.0, 3.0, 3.0. That doesn't look very good. It could be 3.0, 3.0, 4.0, 4.0. That looks very good. And so your trends will give me much better data, uh, the graphs showing semester by semester and, and year by year. What does that look like to determine what you should do and where you should go? 
But at the end of the day, it's going to be um, looking at all of your history and data. Are you academically capable? Have you proven yourself to be academically capable to do well in medical school? And ultimately, that's that's the end of the game. Would you consider scribing at a volunteer clinic as clinical experience? Yes, I would. Is clinical experience absolutely imperative if someone has great stats and research publications? So absolutely imperative? No. <laughs> if the MCAT has taught me anything, the the most extreme answers are never correct. So absolutely imperative? No. Students get into medical school every year with great stats and research publications. Do I highly, 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 highly recommend clinical experience? Yes. And here's why. Clinical experience helps you formulate why you want to be a physician. Being around patients is what proves to yourself that this is what you want. Remember, this is for you, not for the medical schools. How do you know you want to be a physician? Just because you have great stats doesn't mean you should be a physician. Just because you have research experience doesn't mean you should be a physician. Being around patients and taking care of patients and seeing what that relationship is like and what those duties are, uh, seeing what that impact is, what that does to you emotionally, that's what proves to you that this is what you want. And then you take those thoughts and those emotions and those feelings, and then you write a great personal statement to talk about why you want to be a physician. If you don't have those experiences, historically what I find, and, and you you should go watch my uh, application renovation videos on YouTube, um, especially the ones where the thumbnail on YouTube says like 517 and a 3A GPA didn't get into medical school. A lot of times those are students who didn't have any clinical experience because they just don't know why they want to be a physician. They can't formulate in their head or on a piece of paper in their, for their personal statement why they want to be a physician. So it's very important in my mind that you get experience. Can you do it? Sure. Uh, is it possible? Yes. Probable? Nah, less likely. Call of Duty, my advisor told me to take human anatomy to apply to my science GPA, which is not part of my degree. Uh, you can do that. You can definitely take more classes to boost your GPA. Definitely do that. All right. Oh, man, these comments are terrible. Uh, is this going to be on the pre-med years on Spotify? Yes, it is. Um, if you have a 2.9 science after a postback, should you continue on taking classes? I would. My typical threshold is a 3.0 that I recommend. But sometimes the math is just, it doesn't work. And sometimes it's like, oh, I need 100 more credits to get to a 3.0, and that's just not feasible. And so... Uh, sometimes you just got to roll with it and hope it's enough. Um, biggest recommendations for secondaries, Lauren Rice. Uh, so my biggest recommendation for secondaries, go to secondaryapps.com. Uh, but but really the biggest recommendation is to respect them and to do them early. So ideally throughout this application process, the timeline is take the MCAT as early as possible, March or April at the latest, ideally. Uh, 
be working on your personal statement now, your extracurriculars now. And um, by the time the MCAT rolls around, you're basically done with your primary application so that you can then shift your focus to your secondary applications. You can start looking at the schools you're applying to, start looking at the secondaries they have historically asked in the past and and start pre-writing those. And then when the secondaries are actually Sub, uh, are released to to you, you have the essays already written. If you have to tweak some things, if they change the question, add a question, et cetera, you can tweak those, but still get them back relatively quickly. So that is my biggest recommendation. A lot of students just kind of give up on the process and they go, I'll deal with the secondaries when they come in. And then they're just bombarded with secondaries and, and that's not good. Because um, then, then they'll hit They'll, they'll typically give up and just say, I, I can't handle this anymore. So um, if you are applying this cycle, check out Application Academy. It's something that I'm doing starting tomorrow, actually, as we're we're recording this on Monday, um, January 18th. On January 19th, we're starting our first session of Application Academy. You can find that at applicationacademy.com. And we'll we'll work together through the whole process. Uh, a nice nice group of us. Um, all right, let me see if I missed anything. Um, if you're applying to U.S. medical schools, does a Canadian undergraduate, is your university ranking important? Nope. University ranking, even for U.S. schools, is not important. Um... I'll move to Colorado earlier if that's what it takes. Yes, Sean, move to Colorado earlier. Uh, how do medical schools look at finishing a four-year degree in five years due to a gap or part-time semesters? I think uh, if m the majority of your stuff is part-time, then um, then I think you have to be careful. But I, I think if you did like one semester part-time, then then there's less of an issue there. Um, five years versus four years isn't a huge deal. If it's like seven years instead of four, if it's eight years instead of four, then there's an issue. I, I think uh, a lot of schools will ask if you've had any gaps in your, in your schooling and you'll just have to explain why. So just be, uh, be prepared to explain it. Sean, my GPA is 385, would have 4.0, but I did badly my first semester in college, took years off and improved since. Um, that's great. So solid, solid GPA. Good job. Would you recommend TMDSAS for out-of-state applicant with, with parents retiring in Texas? I wouldn't necessarily. Um, if they're already in Texas, maybe, but if the plan is that they're going to retire in Texas... I I, I probably wouldn't unless you already have strong ties to Texas. So just to, to clarify, if you're listening to this, Texas, TMDSAS, uh, which is the application service for Texas, Texas has a state law where the TMDSAS schools, which are all the public schools, both MD and DO schools in Texas, they are not allowed to accept more than 10% of their class uh, from out-of-state applicants. So um, if, if you want to go to a Texas medical school because they're cheap you, uh, and, and you don't have any significant ties to Texas, you're probably wasting money. Now, luckily, 
the Texas Medical and Dental School Application Service, CMDSAS, it's a flat fee to apply to all of the schools. It's like $185, $190, whatever it is now. Um, so it's it's not a huge chunk of money that you're out, but the essays are different. It's 300 characters for your extracurricular descriptions. It's only 5,000 characters for your personal statement. So there's lots of differences that make it a headache. And if you don't have significant ties, I would probably be careful. Um, is a 3.5 good GPA? Um, if not, would you recommend taking extra science classes? A 3.5 isn't horrible. Again, I don't know what 3.5 means. Is it? Is it... 4040 Is it 3030404040? I, I don't know. So the trend is really important. Uh, a 3.5 just in general isn't a horrible GPA, but obviously more classes and a higher GPA is better. Um, so Josie, so you scored a 4.0 both semesters senior year, which is great. So a nice little upward trend. It, it really depends on what those other semesters look like even before senior year. Uh, were those a dip, you may need another semester to to boost that GPA a little bit more. Um, but I think you're you're on the right track. So good job with that. Do you have any recommendations for clinical experience that isn't super hard to get into or certified? Right now, it's 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 nearly impossible with COVID. Um, it depends on your state. So depending on what state you're in. I think you should look into it where I am in Colorado. You don't have to have a license or certificate or schooling to be a medical assistant. You can get on the job training and be a medical assistant. So look at your state laws and requirements for being a medical assistant. I'd probably start there. But outside of that, clinical experience is going to be, um, a, a lot of things are going to be focused on some sort of certificate, some sort of training, because that's what clinical experience is. You're, you're doing things to people and you have to be trained to do that. There, there are obviously some different things like being a patient transporter, which is a little bit of a week of uh, weaker clinical experience. Um, but a lot of other things you're going to need the training. Hospice is probably the one that that I recommend the most that doesn't need a lot of training. Um, there's still going to be a little training, obviously, but you don't need any sort of uh, certification or anything for that. Uh, Sean, next year I'm looking to be on the Am I Ready series you have talked about. Yes, let's do it, Sean. Although I don't host that one anymore. We got Dr. Scott Wright hosting that one. So that's a good one. Uh, is biology important for medical school? Yes, biology is very important. It's required for most medical schools. Um, would a master's following a postbac be overkill? 3.8 postbac GPA. Probably. Um, again, it depends on what the full picture looks like. Uh, if you did poorly in your postbac, then you may need a master's. Uh, but But usually... It's, it's one or the other and not both. Um, so you don't need a postback and a master's, especially if you've been killing your postback with a 3.8 GPA. So good job. Good job with that. Um, let me make sure I didn't miss any questions here. I'm going to study for the MCAT this summer. Is July too late to take it and apply this cycle? So I... I typically do not recommend taking the MCAT in July and and applying this cycle. Is it too late? 
It depends on when you are able to submit your application. I would recommend if you have to take it in July, I would recommend still applying in June or May, depending on the application cycle that you're doing. Um, but but applying applying in May or June, studying for the MCAT, taking it in July, you get your score back in August, um, and and hopefully you're pre-writing your secondary essays so that you can turn those around as well. The the biggest problem in my mind, there, well, there's two big problems with applying in July. Number one, the MCAT studying for the MCAT gets in the way of doing everything that you need to do to to prepare for the uh, application process. So writing your essays, getting transcripts, asking for LORs, writing your extracurricular descriptions, the secondary essays, all that stuff. And, and usually what happens is you take the MCAT late, you apply late, and now you have a little bit of a double doozy. The, the other potential issue um, is that just you're applying later, your application is complete later. And, and getting your your application complete in August, assuming you're able to do all of your application stuff early, that's not the end of the world. Um, and so you just need to to be careful for that. They call me crispy. Thank you for all. You are welcome. Would being an ER scribe be considered as clinical experience? Yes, it is. Thoughts on gap years? I think gap years are great. Nike's on my feet. Uh, if you need a gap year, um, if you don't need a gap year, don't take a gap year. If you don't want to take a gap year, don't take a gap year. Don't take a gap year just because you think it's going to help on your application. Take a gap year if you need to or if you want to. Steve O2Baller, would a master's lead to a higher acceptance chance compared to undergraduate? Uh, nah, I don't, I don't necessarily know what the rest of that question is. A master's, because you had a poor undergraduate degree, or are you just saying, if for anybody, would having a master's look better? Uh, the, a master's doesn't do anything to help get into medical school. What a master's is good for is if you need to prove academic capability. And, and if you're struggling with your academics, then doing a master's or, or post-bac, an undergraduate post-bac, then doing those prove, assuming you do well on them, hopefully prove academic capability. And the one thing to keep in mind with a master's is that it needs to be something in the quote-unquote hard sciences. So something like an MPH won't count for doing well and and proving you you are academically capable. So something to to think about there. Awesome. What's the feeling like when you finally get in? Uh joyous. <laughs> very very joyous. And then frightening because then you realize your life is going to change and all of the the horror stories that you hear about drinking from a fire hose are completely true and and everything changes. But medical school was a blast. I had lots of fun in medical school. Uh residency is fun as well. Uh, I just did my internship training. Um it's hard. Uh, obviously you are dedicating your life to those things and you make lots of sacrifices, but it was, it was really fun. Uh, Rhea, thank you. Personal statement. ECs are all done. I will be pre-writing my secondaries. Awesome. Wow. You are, uh, you're balling. Great job. 
Um, they call me Crispy. My husband got into med school because of you and your YouTube and podcast. Yay, congratulations. That's awesome. That is awesome. Congrats. <laughs> ben, why do you want to be a doctor? Because I want to wear pajamas. Scrubs to work every day. Uh, try that one. See, see if it works. I doubt it, but you can try it. Um, yes, scrubs are definitely underrated. They, uh, I don't wear them anymore, but they, uh, they definitely are underrated. All right, folks, I'm going to end it here. Thank you all for hanging out with me for a little bit here on TikTok as I did a little bit of Q&A. Um, I, I appreciate all of you and I hope, uh, I've been able to provide you some good answers to your questions. Have a great week and, uh, stay tuned. If you're catching, tuning into this later, uh, you can catch it on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, et cetera, on the pre-med years. All right. So there you have it. Hopefully that was enjoyable for you, educational for you. And don't forget to follow me. So go subscribe on YouTube. If you go to premed.tv, that is my YouTube channel. Subscribe by the end of January and we'll do a drawing for an application academy spot, which is worth $500. Uh, if you don't want to subscribe, you already subscribe and you want to be a part of Application Academy, it starts tomorrow as I'm recording this, uh, yesterday as this episode comes out, but we will still have signups through the end of January is the plan as of right now. Um, you can go sign up at applicationacademy.com and, and work with me and a group of other students together through this application process. Make sure you're keeping up with everything you're doing. We're getting all of your questions answered and much more. Go check out applicationacademy.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.